You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Remember before the pandemic, we would talk quite a bit about minimum wage and then new world, everything's different. And, you know, uh, today the minimum uh, wage increased. However, when you're sitting at like 7% inflation, my goodness, does it even matter anymore? Uh, Ontario's minimum wage increased today, fifteen fifty an hour. How does that compare? Uh, none of it, $16 an hour. That's understandable, I guess. The province of Quebec, um, fourteen twenty-five. New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, Labrador, uh, just under $14 per hour. What does this mean for everyone involved? Let's bring in Moshe Lander, Senior Economics Lecturer, Concordia University, and is with us now. Moshe, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Hello. So considering where we are, um, you, you know, post-pandemic and such, uh, and the economy where it is, what does this mean for both the employee and the employer? Well, I mean, it means that both the employee and the employer are looking at about an extra 3% from where they were uh, going into the weekend. So, uh, you know, it's kind of ironic that uh, you were saying pre-pandemic, if, if I recall correctly all those years ago, uh, <laughs> wasn't... Wasn't the previous Ontario government looking to increase the minimum wage to $15 and it was cancelled by this government? Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, it, it really is returning us to effectively where we would have been in 2019 in the province. So, you know, it's better than nothing, uh, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure that this is the solution to cost of living problems for low income Canadians. Uh, obviously, since then, we're now dealing with 7% inflation, so it's, 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 it's a whole new ball game, I guess, now. Here's hoping that doesn't stay or grow any, any greater than what it is. Uh, that being said, uh, compared to other provinces, still one of the better ones. Does that matter uh, simply because, you know, you're comparing apples to oranges? Yeah, I, I don't even know that you're comparing apples to apples if we look in Ontario itself, right? Like, if you take somebody who's uh, living in the center of Toronto... Uh, and compare it to somebody who's living way up in, say, Kenora, the the fifteen fifty an hour is completely a different sort of fifteen fifty. I'm not saying that somebody in northern Ontario is going to be able to make ends meet at fifteen fifty an hour, but I, I don't think that anybody uh, south of the Nickel Belt has any chance of making ends meet on fifteen fifty an hour. So, you know, it, it's really difficult to compare to other provinces. Uh, I, I don't even think it's really possible to compare within the province. Uh, you talk about making ends meet on minimum wage. Many will say minimum wage is was never designed for that. It's designed as a starting position, and then you go up from there depending upon what direction you're going in. Um, what do you say to those that say you know your minimum wage wasn't designed to be living on? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I, I, I have a philosophical problem from an economic standpoint with minimum wage. It, it, it generally is really just going to push the least productive members of society into unemployment. If you were a deal to me as an employer at, say, uh, $15 an hour, but now I have to give you fifteen fifty, it's possible that I might say, you were a deal at 15 and you're not at fifteen fifty. So you know what? You're gone. So you know, the, the lowest skilled are really the ones that, in theory, minimum wage would protect, but it also makes them the most vulnerable because if they were low skilled on Friday, they're probably not any higher skilled today, but now they cost an extra 50 cents an hour. Multiply that by, say, 2,000 hours a year, uh, and you're talking about enough money that an employer might very easily say, you can be automated out of existence, or I don't need you anymore, or I'd rather close on Monday than continue to operate with you working that shift. 
Again, going back to the issue that minimum wage was a designed to be a starting wage, not something that you would continue on for the rest of your life and make a living at, uh, especially with the majority of the people who are on minimum wage are up to 25 years of age, uh, which are basically students who are, you know, starting in the, in, in the workforce in some way, whether it's part time, this, that, or the other, uh, or, or where they're going to school. So is it, is it a little, um, is it a little, con- is it a little uh, disingenuous to say that, you know, all of these people are trying to survive, and I'm sure there's a great number of them, when the majority of the people who are, who are using minimum wage are those that are just starting out. It's possible, but, you know, how many people are pegging their own wage to minimum wage, right? So let's say that you work in a workplace where you're twice as productive as somebody who earns minimum wage because they now got an extra 50 cents. You could very easily be arguing today that you want an extra dollar an hour, right? The gap between that person who's using it as a starting point uh, and you who might be a career professional at this point might be saying, wait, because that gap is narrowing, I need that gap maintained in order to justify my own productivity or my own motivation for showing up or not being a part of the great resignation uh, that allegedly is going on out there. So, you know, it, it's the type of thing that, yeah, you might not be getting minimum wage, but if you're pegging to it, that increase could be driving a whole bunch of wages higher today in, in response. I think you could say that for any entry position in any industry, though you could not. I mean, that's just the way it is. What, what's your uh, solution here, Moshe? Is it a case of increasing the minimum wage? What do we need to be doing here? I, I think it's 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 a much broader issue, and it takes time. And I think that's why governments really don't want to do anything about it, because the benefits won't be there for them to take credit for. But we need to find a way to boost people's productivity. The greatest predictor of what you're going to get paid is how much value you contribute to a firm. If you are highly productive, if you're highly educated, if you're highly skilled, then you're going to have no problems asking for a high wage. And minimum wage then is going to be an irrelevance. The problem is when you're lacking those skills, when you're lacking that education, when you're lacking that productivity, that's the type of thing that minimum wage then gets you caught up in. And so, you know, what governments need to be looking right now is where jobs going to be in the next five to 10 years. And rather than trying to continue to pretend that life can continue the way it did pre-pandemic, Let's start figuring out how we're going to start allocating workers in a more efficient way and making sure that they're going to be graduating universities, community college, high school, or wherever it is that they're coming out of with the skills that are going to make them relevant and productive to any potential employer. That that totally negates then the need for this minimum wage discussion that we have every six months. Hmm. Moshe Lander with us, senior lecturer, our senior lecturer, economics, Concordia University. Fascinating discussion, Moshe. Thanks for the time. Be well. Anytime, Scott. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.